Welcome to The Jury Is Out, a podcast for trial attorneys who want to sharpen their skills and better serve their clients. Your co-hosts are John Simon, founder of The Simon Law Firm, Tim Cronin, personal injury trial attorney at The Simon Law Firm, and St. Louis attorney Eric Veith. Welcome to another episode of The Jury Is Out. This is Eric Veith. Today, we'll be offering you one of our encore episodes from a previous season. We hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with a new episode next time. Welcome to the next episode of The Jury Is Out. I'm Eric Veith. I'm John Simon. And today we're going to talk about preparing your client for trial. Now, we've already talked about preparing your client for deposition. Right off the bat, there's some differences between these two. In a deposition, I think of the client being in more of a defensive shell. They need to be prepared to, of course, tell their story, but their story is being chopped up unnaturally by the opponent attorney who's cross-examining them. And sometimes they'll never get a chance to tell their story in the way they want to tell it or the way you want them to tell their story. At trial, it's different. You will have the chance to put the client on the stand and with direct examination, with simple non-leading questions, the client will now finally have a chance to tell their story, something they've been waiting for perhaps for two or three years. Yeah, I think it's an important point to let your client know that this is different than a deposition. And really what you're telling them to do at trial is somewhat the opposite of what you talked to them about in in preparing for the deposition. So at, at the deposition, you're telling the client, just answer the questions. If information's not asked for, you don't need to provide it. And at trial, it's a different ballgame. You're there to tell the story, and you need to explain that to them so that they understand it. They're there to tell their story to the jury. And I think that's a big difference, and I, you, know, you, you really need to make sure they understand that. There's two things that they need to do that might not come naturally. In, in storytelling, a lot of us want to take our time. We get distracted with details. There might be too many details, too few details. There's a way to get the best impact out of a story. So the client will be guided by your questions on direct exam to tell a story that comes out in the right order, in a logical order that's understandable, that's clear, but succinct. And there's a sweet spot there. It's hard to articulate how to get it done. But with practice and talking to your client and working up the case, you'll start to see things come clear that there's certain elements of this story that need to come out in a certain order in a certain way to tell the story in the best way. And I think if the client has to understand that in, in order for it to work. But the other thing, too, is sometimes you run into both extremes. Some clients that want to keep talking forever and other clients who it's sort of like pulling teeth. You can't get them to say anything. They're nervous. It's not their nature to talk in, in public in front of a group. So I think one of the things that I do is I will actually take the client, and it doesn't need to be like days or weeks before the trial, but at some time during a break or in the beginning, bring them in the courtroom before the trial and show them where the jury's going to be seated. Have them sit in the witness, uh, in the witness stand, in the witness box, this is where you're going to be seated. This is where the microphone is. Show them where the judge is going to be, where you're going to be asking the questions from, where the attorney is going to be asking the questions on cross-examination. And you want to do everything you can to calm them down and get them a little bit more relaxed. And I think if they know what's coming and they've actually sat in the witness stand, it, it, it really does help. Well, I think that's a great idea to bring a witness in, to bring a client in. Let them, Like you say, let them sit in that in the witness chair and maybe even talk to them a bit, 
about the case while they're sitting there, if there's no one else in the courtroom, so that all of that distraction fades away. And when they come back at trial, they'll be better prepared just to think about the things that they're there to think about. You know, Eric, you mentioned going over some elements of the story, elements of the case, making sure that they understand what those are. And what I find sometimes is the background information, introducing your client to the jury. And those questions are really just meant to get them talking, to get to literally to introduce them to the jury. And a lot of times you'll have a client who gets so tied up on giving a precise answer to a series of questions. And I tell them, look, the, the answer doesn't matter. I just want the jury to get to know you because that's really what you want to do, their background, where they grew up what their parents did, how many children they have, how they met their spouse, things like that that aren't really critical to a particular issue in the case, but they're just as important. You want the jury to be able to relate to them and empathize uh, with them. That's really important to get the jitters out because anxiety might look not like anxiety. It might look like maybe dishonesty. You don't want someone looking at a nervous client and misinterpreting that to be something else. It's important to give them a chance to just get up to speed and calm down with those simple questions. The other thing, it's it's like going to a, a hospital or a doctor's office and you're going to undergo some medical procedure that you've never heard of. And you're obviously very nervous. And what's the first thing you want to know? You want to know is, okay, take me through what we're doing here. What's going to happen? What are the risks? What are the consequences? And I think if we apply that to what goes on in the courtroom, you need to spend some time with your client taking them through what goes on at trial, not just where they're going to sit and where the judge is seated, but the process. There's going to be jury selection, and here's what's going to happen, and here's why we do that. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. Take them through opening statement, and then here are the witnesses we're going to present, and here's why we're presenting them. Here's what issues they're going to address. So I think once you take them through that process and help them understand what the process is, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, and then explain how what they're doing fits into that, how they're a part, a big part of what we're trying to do. I think once you do that, it's probably the best thing you can do to calm them down and get them to focus more on what's going on versus being you know, overly nervous about it. I think they'll look more involved in the process when they have a map in their heads of what's happened, what's going to happen. They can follow it. It's not just a an unending series of things in an alien environment. It's a progression from Vardyar to opening statement to maybe they will want to know who's going to be called as a witness. It makes them feel involved and they'll look calmer. They'll look like they're part of the team in front of the jury. I know that's another point that we're going to be talking about what the jury thinks as they're looking at our client. Speaking of what the client looks like, that's another issue that you can't overlook. What are your clients going to wear to trial? And obviously you want to have them wear something appropriate, but you don't want them to overdress either. And, and by that, I mean, you might be representing a, a steel worker or a farmer or somebody who is rarely in a suit and tie. And, you know, even though the inclination might be to have them wear a jacket or a tie, it might make them uncomfortable. So you got to be very aware of that. I think you can dress very presentable without putting a suit and tie on. If your client isn't a suit and tie person, I wouldn't recommend having them wear a suit and tie to trial, maybe a dress shirt. And I, I always say something that you'd wear to church on Sunday, something like that. But make sure you talk about it. Make sure you see it. And it, it is important. I mean, it's, it's the impression that you're making with your client to the jury. 
if you err on the bad side of not dressing up enough, let's say you show up in dirty clothes or clothes that are you'd uh, go work out in the garden in, I think the jury gets the wrong impression that you don't care about the trial. You don't, you don't care enough. And I, I think you're right about you don't want to push the standard too high to where they're in an unnatural environment. You want them, of course, to be the best version of themselves. And if they're wearing clothes they've never worn before, they're going to feel out of place. But definitely there, there is a point beneath which the jury's going to say, I don't think this person is taking this seriously. Very important issue that is most often overlooked is that the client is the center of attention during the entire trial. It's not just when they're on the stand. The jurors are looking at the client throughout the trial. They want to see what reaction they have to a witness's testimony. They are the focus of the case from beginning to end. And that's not just what goes on in the courtroom. If they're out in the hallway, they're going to the restroom. So the client needs to know that. And you need to know where your client's at, what they're doing. That is so important because you really are creating an impression with this jury and it's not only when your client's on the stand sitting in the, in the witness chair, it's when the client's sitting at the table next to you. It's, it's when the client is walking around in the hallway, you know, facial expressions, reaction to testimony, all of those things need to be discussed and controlled to the extent that you can. How many uh, bad expressions would it take to ruin a case? You know, this is a, talk about alien environments. How many of us are used to having 12 people or 14 people look at us all the time, every minute for two weeks at a time, or even for a two-day trial. This is not normal or natural, and people can easily forget where they are and maybe laugh at something that seems like someone might take offense about what they're laughing about or to say something in a way with an expression that looks sarcastic. We don't want any of that, of course, because any one of those could sour a juror's or many jurors' view of who that person is. It's not easy to remember that for a week-long trial, that people are always, always watching me. And I think you need to let the client know that, that all eyes are upon you at all times. And you want to be, as you've said several times, be the best version of yourself. Getting back to a reaction, a reaction to the testimony, reaction to a ruling, we're trained as, as a lawyers, as attorneys, to not show reaction when something comes down that we don't like or it's bad. And I think it's too much to ask your client to sit there through the trial and show no reaction. And actually, I think maybe you do want them to show some reaction to certain things. What I have done, and I do it in most of my cases, is I don't have my client or clients sitting with me at counsel table. I think most attorneys, I think that's the minority view. I think most attorneys have their clients sitting with them throughout the trial, but it's in part because of the things that we've been talking about. But it's also, I think it distracts somewhat from the jury listening to the witness who's on the stand. You know, they're looking over at the table, they're looking at your client. With very few exceptions, what I will do is I will have my client or clients sitting in a pew a little bit back, maybe with always with somebody from my office, whether it's a paralegal or a secretary. And I think that's, it kind of gets them out of the spotlight and it allows you to control what the jury sees when they are in the spotlight. There you go. That's a, that's a good solution for, the, for a potential problem that the client isn't used to this constant attention. They might slip up here and there if they're not sitting at the console table. The unnoticed issues uh, don't matter. So that's a great way to, to uh, take them out of the spotlight, as you say. There are certain times in a case where 
for instance, damage testimony. What I've done in trials is I will have, for instance, I had a client who was severely brain damaged. He was a a man in his 40s. He was married, had been married 20, 25 years, 20 years maybe. And he couldn't really articulate or comprehend the extent of his injuries, but boy, his, his wife could, no question. And I thought it was appropriate under those circumstances. And, and I explained it to the jury, you know, during, during Vordaer, I didn't have my client in the courtroom when his wife testified. And I just thought that was a better way to do it. And I thought it turned out okay. And his wife of 20 years didn't want to, didn't want to put him through having to hear. She was talking about how not just the injury affected her husband, but how it affected their relationship. And boy, it's just, it's a tough thing to say that when your spouse of 20 years is sitting right next to you. So I'll, I'll do that. I do it sometimes in Vordire. I'll have my clients not in the courtroom uh, during Vordire, maybe bring them in at some point just to introduce them to the panel. And I do that because I think it helps the Vordire panel be a little more open about their thoughts and feelings about an issue in the case. They're a little more open and willing to tell you what they really think versus when your paralyzed or injured client is, is sitting there next to you in the, in the courtroom. Talking about your client being on display, they're never more on display than when they're testifying. That leads to an issue I've, I've thought about often. I don't quite know how to deal with it. When your client gets very emotional, I start crying. Sometimes in these injury cases, there's a, an enormous amount of pain being processed by your client. Some attorneys run up to the stand and offer Kleenex, and others don't because that's just a natural emotion that's happening, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. I go toward the, the second option. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's interesting. Earlier this year, three or four months ago, we tried a case, a medical malpractice case involving a, a three-year-old child. And I'm not going to get into the, the details of the case, but we had um, scheduled mom to testify. And it was, it was tough for her. We knew it was going to be tough for her. And one of the, actually my son, John, his, who's been out, I guess, four, four years or so, it was decided that he would work with her and he, he would put her on the stand and get her testimony. And he spent a lot of time with her going over a bunch of things. And, and when the time came in the case, it was toward the end of the case for mom to take the stand. And she had a very you know, significantly injured little girl. She was three at the time this happened. She was six at the time of trial. And mom got up on the stand and Johnny asked her about a half a dozen basic background questions, and she was very, very nervous. And you could tell she was nervous, but did okay. And the next question he asked was, uh, now I want to talk to you about your little girl. And as soon as he said that, she broke down and just couldn't do it. And that's what she said. She just said, I'm sorry, I can't talk about it. And she was sobbing and in tears and again said, I can't, I just can't talk about it. Well, the next question was no more questions. And that was the direct. And it was one of the most effective direct examinations of a client that I've seen. And boy, it didn't go anywhere close to what we had planned, but it went okay. I try to stay aware of what the client is up to. It's really hard during trial though. You know, you have so much on your mind during a trial, but occasionally you might notice something your client is doing that's distracting. Like maybe they're leaning back in the chair with their arms behind their head, or maybe they're tapping their pen or uh, flipping through paperwork. I think that's all bad because it's taking away the juror's attention from whoever's on the stand at the time. 
Yeah, I had a case a while back where our client was a note taker, just taking notes. And things would happen during the trial or a particular answer to a question or some part of the testimony. And she would begin furiously writing stuff down and flipping pages and writing. And we took a little break and I took her notepad away from her. (laughs) (laughs) So that took care of that. Yeah, that's that's something for the jury to tune into. They'll say... They found that interesting. It's, it's like a, that's a read. That's like opening your client's brain to the jury to say, she's finding that interesting. That's something I'm going to note. Yeah, don't need, don't need that. That's for sure. Right. First conversation I have with the clients when we're getting ready for trial is I remind them of why they came to me and why we started all of this. And it was because of their story. That's why I took the case, because of their story. And everything that we've done for the 18 months or two years is leading up to the trial. And the whole point is this is their opportunity now to tell their story. And it's about them and it's their story. I want to get them in the right frame of mind for what we're doing. What you wear, that's fine. You can control that. You can dress appropriately or not. Emotions you can't control. And I, I don't really, if, you're, if, you, if you, as long as they're natural emotions, uh, let it ride. If somebody breaks down in tears, they break down in tears. You know, I, I tell clients, just be yourself and answer the question and tell your story. And I, I, I don't advise them to try to not cry or to cry. It's just, it's life. That's what it is. It's life. People understand that. In the cases that I handle, I tell them, look, what you've already gone through, what this defendant has put you and your family through, if you can go through that, this is nothing. And that really kind of sets the tone. It's helpful, I think, to remind your client that those jurors are not the enemy. They're they're people that want to hear your story. They're here to listen. And uh, you, you should probably assume that they are sympathetic to you. They aren't being hypercritical of you. So when you're talking, you're among friends, whether or not there might be some jurors or who don't like your theory of the case, but the jurors are there to recognize you as a fellow human being who's there to tell them what happened to you. So that's, uh, you're, you're, you're in a friendly place uh, as far as who you are. They're there to think about your case, of course, and, but we, we don't want them to think that they're in a hostile place at, at all. And even if the judge gets cranky about some rulings, the judge is doing a difficult job. That judge is not against you. The judge is struggling with maybe some attorney questions or some legal issues. You're in a place that's actually designed for you to come in and have this moment that you've been waiting for. I think most often in the cases that we're involved in, it doesn't help the other side to attack our clients. I think when they do that, it generally helps us. But you still need to talk to your client about the fact that that may happen. And what I tell them is exactly that, that I don't think this is going to happen. It probably shouldn't happen. But even if you are attacked, if you remain respectful and polite and professional, all it's going to do is help your case. And I think knowing that helps them get through it. Yeah, agreed that you don't need to normally protect your client from what might be seen as a hostile cross-examination. The jury can see that attorney doing what they're doing. And um, they'll they'll see it for what it is. So that's it for today's topic on preparing your your client for trial. I'm Eric Veith. I'm John Simon. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this Encore episode. We hope you enjoyed it. 
We'll be back next time with a new episode. See you then. The Jury is Out is brought to you by the Simon Law Firm. Share your thoughts with John, Tim, and Eric at comments at thejuryisout.law. Subscribe today because the best lawyers never stop learning.